Come on in. If you guys can hear my voice in the lobby, we're about to start service. But uh, good to see you guys this afternoon. How's everybody doing? All right, all right. Uh, can I have everybody stand up before we begin? I'd like to introduce myself. I am Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to have my brother uh, Joseph Bonilla come and testify. All right, he's going to give a powerful testimony of what God has been doing in his life. So everybody, please give a warm welcome to Joby as he makes his way up. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to testify about this uh, one time I was evangelizing at uh, New Orleans with a youth group and stuff. Uh, I was at, uh, first off, I just want to say it was an awesome experience. You know, we went to some of the craziest places there. We went to Bourbon Street where Mardi Gras is held. And uh, it was real cool. So we were on Canal Street, and uh, we are evangelizing. And over there, you know, we've seen all types of people from with all types of backgrounds. You know, there were backslidden Christians. There were people that believed that, you know, the sun was God. People that worshiped grass, all kinds of stuff. So there's this guy. He was uh, a Bible graduate. And I didn't know that at first. So I evangelized. So I'm like, hey, you want to talk about Jesus? And at first he looked at me. He was like, yeah, let's go. Like, he wasn't ready to bait, debate me or whatever. So I was like, okay. So I was talking to him and everything. And uh, he just knew so much that I did not know, you know. And then he started telling me about, like, there's so many people going to hell. Like, probably one-third of the people in this world are going to hell. And that hit me really hard, you know. That hit anybody hard, you know. So I'm with Alyssa, who is a youth, and she's 13 years old. And after the whole thing, man, I'm just like, dang, that dude knew so much. And then she just tells me. You know, wow, all those people he said that are going to hell, that just makes me want to tell people more about Jesus. That's what she got out of it. And that really hit me, and that, that kept with me, like, up until now, you know, and I hope it keeps with me until my whole life, that that's the heart we have to have, you know. We see people, man, you know, so many people, man, they have their own story, you know. We see a person, we see a face, but there's a story behind that face. There's something that's going on with their life, and they need Jesus, and Everyone really needs Jesus, whether they think they're good or they think they're not, man, because there's a place called hell, and everyone needs to know about it. So if you see someone that, 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 you, that you think you need to talk to, man, talk to them, you know? That's, that's, that's the heart we have to have. So I just wanted to share the stri uh, scripture, Romans 1, 6, uh, 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So that scripture just speaks volumes to me, and it should speak volumes to you. You know, you should be preaching. If you truly believe in Jesus and the message that he gave when he died on the cross, you should be telling everyone, family, friends, strangers, everyone, you know, because people are on fire. If, if everyone you see is, imagine everyone you see is on fire and you know where the lake, the nearest lake is, you're going to lead them to the lake. It's their decision whether they want to jump in or not. So just leave them there. Tell them about Jesus, okay? Uh, I'm going to pray. Jesus, Father God, I just thank you for this time, Lord Father. I thank you for the message, Father God, that you deliver when you're walking on this land, Father God, for just dying on the cross, Lord, humbling, humbling yourself, Lord, lower than angels, Lord. So, so majestic, Lord, so awesome, Father God. It's so amazing, Lord, Father God, what you've done for us. You created us, Lord, Father God, and then you also became like the creation, Lord. It's so amazing, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we all get this heart, Lord, the heart to, for the lost, Lord, Father God, to see people and to see lost faces, Father God, to see people and see their potential like you've seen our potential, Father God. I pray, Lord, Father God, that we just love people, and the best way to love people is in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, put those hands together with me this afternoon. Come on, I want you to look to your neighbor and say, are you awake today? Are you awake? It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're awake, and we're ready to worship the Lord. Come on, put those hands together. Yeah. We love you, Jesus. We're going to sing this song. It takes about, talks about us waking up to him, that we love him. His love is never going to fade away, and we're going to sing that about that together. Ready? At break of day, in hope we rise, we speak your name, we lift our eyes, tune our hearts to your being.
we thank you, Lord, that you promise to be with us always, God. You will never leave us, Lord. You are always present, God, as we call on your name, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your awesome presence, Lord. Come on, can you just say thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place, God. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We welcome your love, Lord, in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you our attention this afternoon, Lord. We give you our attention this afternoon. There's no one more important, God. There's no place we'd rather be but be with you, Lord. You have our hearts, Jesus. You have every part of us, Lord. Come on, I invite you just to close your eyes with me and just to focus your attention on who really matters, and that's Jesus in this place. Come on, you are enough for us, God. You are all that we need. You have our hearts, God. You have our attention. Lord, you all, God, all we have, oh, Father God, is found in you. Everything we need, God, all the strength we need, all the encouragement, Lord, all the love that we need is found in your presence, God. We love you, Lord. Our heart belongs to you, Jesus. Come on, help us sing this song because I give you, I give you my heart give you my trust, Jesus. You are my God. You are my God. You are enough. Say, Jesus. Come on, say that again. I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I give you my trust. Say, Jesus. is yours.
part of me, Lord. It belongs to you, God. Everything is yours, God. We trust you with our lives, God. We give it all to you. We give it all to you, Jesus. See my heart. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all. My life in your hands. My heart is. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all. My life in your hands. Jesus. We surrender our lives to you. Come on, there's some people here that you've been carrying your life on your shoulders. You've been carrying weights, and you've came in with that weight on your shoulders. And he's saying, would you trade with me? Would you give a trade to me? I'll take your burden, and I'll give you joy. Come on, there's some heavy weights on you this afternoon. You've been carrying it maybe today. You've been carrying it all your life. You've been carrying it this whole week. And he's saying, trade with me. Come on, give me that burden. Give me that heaviness on your heart. And I'm going to give you joy. Come on, right now is your opportunity to give that trade. Come on, if that's you, you want to give that burden to him. Can you just raise your hands before God and say, God, I surrender. I surrender. Come on, just tell him I surrender. I surrender that heavy, that heavy burden. My heart is yours, Jesus. Come on, can you tell him my heart is yours? to you Jesus come on let freedom come in this place let freedom come in this place Jesus we surrender hallelujah hallelujah Jesus come on can you keep telling him God I surrender all to you Jesus come on I'm not holding anything back I was made to love you I was made for joy Come on, I was made to praise you. I was made to love you. I was made to live a life full of abundance in you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We were made for you, Jesus. We were made to worship you, God. We were made to live, oh God, in the abundance of your presence. We were made to walk in joy. We were made to walk in peace. We were made to walk in right relationship with him. Come on, you don't have to carry that chip on your shoulder. You don't have to carry condemnation upon your life. Come on, he paid your freedom with a price, the price of his life. Come on, you are loved this afternoon. Oh, you are loved this afternoon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, we give you everything, God. We give you everything. We give you everything. Come on, before we go to this next song, I want you to just close your eyes with me and say, God, I was made to love you. I was made to love you. I was made to walk with you. Oh, and I choose to do that today, Lord. Jesus. I give you everything. I give you all my 
God for creating us for a purpose. Everybody in this room, we were made to worship God. We were created to be with him. We were created for relationship with him. And I want us to sing the chorus of that song. I was made to worship you, to praise you. I was made to know you. We were created to know God in intimacy. We were created to know him, to have a relationship with him. There is nobody else like our God. He is the only one. So with all hands lifted all across this room, I want us to get ready to lift up our voices. Come on, we were made to praise him, to know him. Jesus, we thank you, God. To love you, I was made to love you. I am. We are yours, God. We are yours. You purchased us for yourself. I was made to praise you, to praise you. I was made to know you, God, to know you. I was made to love you, to love. you to praise you we thank you God that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we lift up our voices we lift up our hands and we say mighty mighty are you Lord God Almighty we thank you for the cross we thank you for salvation we thank you Lord that you reign and rule over your creation over heaven and earth and you are awesome in this place oh God receive the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name and everybody said amen and amen give the Lord a hand clap of praise come on he is worthy and we were made to worship him to know him to love him all the days of our life and for all of eternity he is so good at this time I want to have all the adults grab their seats uh, for a moment here because we're going to transition into praying for our students our children and our teachers Joby, if you could please move this back on this side for me, please, where it was. I want all the children to come up and line across the stage. How many of you guys love our children? I know you guys' parents love your children. And we want to pray a prayer of blessing over them as they go back to school. And many, I'm so sorry. And many of them have already started. And so we want to bless them as they go back. And I want any high school students that are out there, please come up and stand behind the little ones. So little ones, if you could take three steps forward. Take about three steps forward. I want all the high school students, college students, Bible college students, come on up, line behind the little ones on the floor here. Come on. Come on, college students. Any type of trade school that you guys are in, come on up. We want to pray for you guys. 
If I could have the congregation stretch forth your hand, we want to pray a prayer of blessing and peace upon them this school year. God, we thank you for our children from preschool, kindergarten, all the way to college. I pray for the mighty hand of God to be upon them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. I pray for sound minds, for clear minds. I pray that they would have um, a keenness, God, the wisdom from the Lord to study, to pass tests, God, to stay focused. I pray for a protection over their minds, their bodies, their spirits, their eyes. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would raise them up to be soul winners. I pray that wherever they go, in their lunchroom, in their PE class, God, on their college campus, in their high schools, God, in a first grade class, that Jesus would be made known, that the good news of the gospel would be preached out of the mouths of babes. I pray for their parents. I pray that they would all have a blessed school year, oh God. We thank you for our children. We know that they are a chosen generation, that they are going to carry the torch and pass it to the ones after them, God, as we uphold your truth in America. I pray that you would bless Chicago, all the schools. I pray for your spirit to be in all of our college campuses, high schools, grammar schools, be upon the principals and the teachers and all the children, Lord. I pray for the spirit of peace to come over our city. Be exalted, be exalted, be exalted in our city and all over America. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you, God. And everybody say amen with me this afternoon. Let's give them a hand clap, a round of applause. Thank you, children, as you make your way back to your class. And the older ones, you guys take your seat. We want to prepare to bless and pray for our teachers. We know we have school teachers here, people that work as teachers' aid. Ashley, I want you to be a part of this prayer time. Jose, if you could come on down. I know Andrea is a school teacher. Any other uh, person here that works with this, in the school system, whether it's a charter, private, CPS, it doesn't matter. We want to bless you guys. We have gifts for you today. I'm going to have Rachel pray for them. And any homeschool mothers... Or fathers that do the actual homeschooling, we'll want to pray for you as well. I know we have some in the back. Christina Riasco is back there. Can you pray a prayer or a blessing yes. over our teachers? Amen. Father God, we just want to thank you so much for our teachers, Lord. Thank you so much for the teachers, those that work with our children, God. And Lord, it takes a special person with the Holy Spirit, Lord God to work with our kids, and God, we lift them up to you. God, you know the pressures that they face every day. You know the struggles that they face. You know, Father God, all the lives that they touch, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we lift them up to you. We pray that you would give them divine strength, divine patience, divine wisdom, God, as they work with our kids, God, and their students. We pray that Jesus would be seen in their lives, God. We pray, oh God, that they would know that they are loved. The children would know that they are loved. God, whether they come from broken homes, whether they come from yes. homes where, God, them, they don't have a dad or a mom. God, we ask that as our teachers touch their lives as they teach them knowledge, we pray that the Holy Spirit love would fill their classroom. Let them be known, oh God, as healers. Let them be known as someone they can come to after class. God, appoint them and anoint them for the calling you place on their lives. We thank you. Put a blessing upon them and their families in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give it up for our Amen. teachers. Please receive your gift from Brian. If you go that way, we'll get you your present. Thank you. At this time, I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. Look to your neighbor. Say, the gospel is good news. Amen. Welcome to church. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrasik. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I would like to preach to you the good news of Jesus in John chapter 5, verse 24. 
We want to preach the gospel every week in this manner for those that are not right with God. You've not been born again, and you know God is tugging at your heart, saying, get right with me. Come into relationship with me. In John chapter 5, 24, it says, very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, speaking about the Father, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. If you want to cross over from a life of death, darkness, and despair into a life of light, into a life of life and light, you have to accept the words of Jesus, that he is the only way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come to the Father but through him. You will cross over from death to life. It will be a newness of life. You'll never be the same again, and you will not be judged with the rest of the world. See, there's a judgment coming, and we can escape if we accept Jesus, his word, and believe the one who sent him, the Father who sent him here to take our place, to be our sacrifice on that cross, to die for the sins of all of mankind, for our lives to be washed in the blood of Jesus so that we could be made white like snow. If you are not right with God, the Bible says that today is a day for salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. And it's a very serious matter. Heaven and hell are at stake. They're hanging in the balance. Our souls hang in the balance of heaven and hell. And if we reject the free gift of salvation, if we reject eternal life, the only place left is eternity and hell apart from God, where God is not, where his presence is not there, his peace, his love, eternal torment. With all eyes closed all across this room, I want you to think about where you stand with God. Have you accepted the words of Jesus? Do you accept the Bible as absolute truth to apply it to your life, to be saved, to ask God to forgive you of your sins, confess that you are a sinner? If you want to agree with me in prayer, please do so. God, I pray for every single person in this room that's not right with you. I pray that today they would accept this free gift of eternal life, your gift of salvation, so that they would cross over from death to life. They would escape the judgment that is coming upon the world. God, we know that you created us to have a relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you. We accept this gift. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son on that cross. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. If you meant that, we're going to have prayer workers here on the side. Carmen and Steve, this is a powerful couple for the Lord. There are deacons here in the church. They'll be willing to pray with you, to lead you to the Lord, to tell you how to get right with God, and to connect into the church and be a disciple for Jesus. Amen. If you could please stand to your feet with me this afternoon. We're going to prepare to recite our confession of faith. The reason why we do this as a church is it's because it's our Christian worldview. We want to declare to the world around us that this is how we see society and things changing. We're going to stand upon the word. And if you believe that with me, let's recite it together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, clap it up for Jesus. Spend some time fellowshipping and giving somebody a hug. Our prayer workers will be waiting for you. Amen. Who's excited to be at church this afternoon? Make some noise. Come on. We are so excited to have you at Metro Praise International. Welcome, welcome. On behalf of all of the leaders, we thank you for joining us today for our second service. What a, what a powerful time, the Lord's presence. And just so that you guys know, that last song that we sang was written by Rachel. In her prayer time, devotional time, she wrote that. If you guys were blessed by that, we needed to make her... Like, put that on a CD or something. That is a powerful, powerful song. So I'm glad she was able to present it to the Lord before you guys today. So we got to partake of that with her. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. every week, 11 to 18 years old. They're loving Jesus. They're winning their friends for the Lord. And we are so proud of our youth. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. And the way that we want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus, is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. 
On the back of your handouts, we have the schedule for this quarter, which is actually coming to an end. If you take a look at it, find a place that uh, works for your needs, a place that meets the needs of yours and your family. We have so many different kinds of life groups, times and places that they meet. Here's a snapshot of what's happening this week, kicking it off today. We have our worship team meeting 201 and up, which is elders and deacons meeting here at the church at 4. Then Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 630, meeting at the church every week. That's where we have our Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club, where our children get discipled, get to earn badges, memorize scripture verses. It's a powerful time for our young, our, our children. Every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Both have child care. Powerful time. That's where you guys are going to build friendships in the church, get fellowship, hang out with people uh, that want to live for Jesus with you and get closer to God and get into the word. So if you are an adult 18 years and up, you got to be at those life groups. Pick one and uh, commit to it. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism that meets here at the church every Saturday at 5 p.m. And everybody is welcome. If you've never street witnessed before, we want to encourage you to do it. It will change your life. You will go out and change others' life and you will yourself be changed. The Bible says that he who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. And so when we preach the gospel, share the good news with people, it's refreshing them, and we get refreshed too. So we want to put that challenge out to you if you've never done it. And then we want to mentor you. And our leaders here are ready to take you through our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life, where we're going to commit to a journey with you of discipleship and, and help you grow in the Lord. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into our 201 class called Disciples That Make Disciples, where you will continue on the discipleship journey and, and be taught and raised up to be a leader in the church. And then we want to send you out to keep winning more souls for the Lord. And our goal here is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that by God's grace and you want to be a part of it, Say amen with me. Come on. God is doing awesome things. God is moving in Chicago, in our nation. We just got to continue to pray as God's people. We got to continue to pray for our nation. How many of you guys excited to learn about tithes and offerings? Come on. We're going to kick it off, continuing into our Disciples Giving book. Section 3 is all about stewardship. Today is on Lesson 10. Stewards are multipliers. Look to your neighbor and say multiply you got to multiply. We're going to be reading in Matthew 25. If you want to turn in your Bibles or you can look up at the screen, Matthew 25, 16 through 17. And stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. That's what we've been learning in this section. God wants us to be managers that are wise and are responsible with everything that he's given to us so that we can give it back to him so that he could receive the glory. Let's read in Matthew 25, 16 through 17. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Here are the three main points. Number one, put his money to work. Look to your neighbor and say, work it. Look to your other neighbor and say, for the Lord. Jesus wasn't a socialist that taught against private ownership or personal success. Rather, he promoted the principles of capitalism by teaching parables that exemplified individual prosperity and personal gain. His application was simple. If people use their talents and work hard for personal gain, how much more should his disciples work hard and use their talents for kingdom success? So everything that we do should build up to bring his kingdom to this earth so that his gospel can be preached and his kingdom be established. Number two, gained two more. Honestly evaluate your life and ask yourself, 
Have I used my talents and abilities to gain success to help support the kingdom of God? Your answer will determine your heavenly rewards. Remember, you are not saved by works, but rather you are saved to do good works. And both salvation and good works are accomplished by faith. The scriptures are clear when they say we cannot work for our salvation. It is through grace by faith. As well as if we do not have good works, our faith is dead. So our salvation with that faith comes together with good works so we can accomplish God's kingdom. So we could be effective for his kingdom business. And number three, are you a multiplier? Have you been successful at working hard on your job and using your talents to gain income? Have you been faithful then to give your best back to God? God has called you to be blessed, to be a blessing. We say that a lot around here. It's because we believe it. God wants to bless us. When we put his kingdom first, all of these things will be added onto us. So we got to make sure that we're doing it with with the attitude, with the mindset that we're doing it all for the Lord. And here's a summary. Be a multiplier of God's gifts and talents in your life. Multiply yourself. Don't bury your talents. Don't bury your treasures. Multiply them so you could continue to increase and be effective. And let's apply this to our life in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, ask God to empower you to multiply and succeed at all you do. And three, live by the principle, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Let's say that together. I'm blessed to be a blessing. If you want more of that, let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you want that, if you please stand up to your feet with me this afternoon as we prepare to give God our tithes and offerings, our very best for him. We want to see his kingdom here. We want Chicago to be saved, the nations to be saved. Again, MPI believes that a tithe is a 10% of your total income, and anything is above that is an offering, which we designate towards missions and building fund. Currently, we are in that building fund, raising the monies for that sign. Thank you for joining and partnering with us. We're so close. God is doing awesome things. And just a quick reminder, I want to remind you to put the exact amounts that you want in each section uh, on the envelope so we can make sure it gets allocated properly. And we also have two other options that are convenient for you to give or purchase items in the church using your credit or debit cards. One is online at our easy-to-use website, and the other one is in the back. You could see me after service if you have any questions about that. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and that you want us to succeed. You want us to be multipliers, not to bury our talents and our treasures in the ground, but to give it to you so that it can be multiplied for us to be blessed, to be a blessing. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today. I ask you would multiply it for your kingdom, bring increase as we re uh, reach this city for you. Let the gospel be preached to the, all the world through our sacrifice, God, of giving so that we can see your kingdom come to this earth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen and amen. Please come forward as you give this morning and thank you for your generosity.
All right, how many are ready for a baby dedication? Make some noise. I would like to call up Angelica Holman. Come on up with little baby Aiden Josiah Ramirez. All right, so good to have you both here today. I'm going to hold you in just a minute. But show everybody, just turn this way so they can see him. Look at this. Look at this little cutester. So I'm going to hold you in just a minute, but I'm going to preach first and pray for you. Can I do that? Okay. So when we look at the Bible, we don't see baby baptisms. We see baby dedications. And really the difference is, is the heart of the parent. See, when we try to baptize our children, what we're saying is, God, save them before they can repent. That's the parent's desire. But however, the child has no choice in it. So you could baptize the child in any religion, and the child would have no say in it. When you look at the Bible, baptism is reserved for the individual to choose themselves. So just baptism is a choice of the individual, not of the parent. But what the Bible does have for parents to do is to dedicate their children. Everybody say dedicate. And what that simply means is they are going to affirm that they're going to raise their child in the fear and good teaching of the Lord so that when they are old, they will not depart from the faith, but will choose the faith. And if somebody was to ask, well, what happens if a child dies before they get a chance to repent of their sins? Well, the Bible says that the children have the kingdom of God. He pointed to the children, and maybe we'll get to that when we talk about families in our series on the kingdom of God. But he pointed to the children, and he says, to them belong the kingdom of God. So we know God is compassionate to children. Can I get an amen? Amen. So the intent of the parent is not to baptize a child and to get them to be in a religion. No, the intent of the parent is to dedicate them to Jesus, to pray that they will be a good parent, and then that as they're teaching their child, as the child is growing, the child will then choose themselves to serve Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now look with me quickly to Matthew chapter 19, 13. Matthew 19, 13, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I doing okay? You're so cute. You're so cute. You're so cute. Oh, my gosh. They're just so cute. Every time they come up here, but you're going to let me hold. When I hold you, you're going to be a good boy. Oh, he's so good. Look at this. Look at this right here. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. It says, when the people brought the little children to Jesus, he said, get them out of here. I'm too busy to do that. Is that what he said? He said, these children keep coming around ruining all the fun. They cry all the time. Is that what Jesus said? No. They brought little children for Jesus to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. So do I have any disciples here that are upset we're taking time to pray for children? Who are you? I'll put the laser in your eye. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. Yeah, I got to go there. No, this is part of it. Now look what Jesus said. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For what? The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So the kingdom of heaven belongs to Aiden. We're learning about the kingdom of God. We learned that kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, it's the same thing. And it belongs to you. It is yours. There you go. And to such are these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So I know Jerry is involved in Angelica's life. Is it Angelica or Angelica? Oh, you like Angelica? Okay, I'm sorry for making it all Latino and everything. Okay, come on up here, Jerry. We'll say it the gringo way, which is the cool way, right? All right? No, I'm just teasing. Because there's is there any Angelicas? We have Angelica? No. No. I'm pointing to you. What? Andrea. Andrea. Not Angelica. Sorry. 
Angela, we do. I'm so sorry. Lord, forgive me. But I'm pointing to you. Just keep looking behind you. Yeah, I know he can't be talking to me. I was just at his house yesterday. He said my name quite a bit. Okay, everybody pray for your pastor. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for Aiden. We pray you bless him. We pray that he grows up to be a mighty man of God, that you will protect him and keep him safe. May he always know your word. May he learn it from his mother. And God, may uh, all of his family, God, support him, be good to him. And Lord, as he gets older, may he be the leader you've called him to be. And now, Lord, we also pray for Angelica. We pray you bless her, keep her safe. May she raise him in the strength that you give her. May, may his father be a part of his life and support him and her, God. And I just thank you that they came today to dedicate this wonderful child to you, to let their heart intent be known that they want you and their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the little poem right here. A beautiful son, God's wonderful little gift, your precious little child, the Lord has blessed you with. Ever so precious to Jesus and full of his grace, may he grow to be a man that will always seek God's face. Can I give that to you? Let's give it up for Angelica and Aiden. We love you so much. Thank you, Jerry. That's awesome. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. We believe in families here. We were learning about the kingdom already, so let's get into it. Today's message is seek first the kingdom. Everybody say seek it first. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. Today's message is going to radically change your life. It is not just going to be because I'm a great preacher or that I have a good way of speaking. This message is directly from the words of Jesus. And as you hear the words of Jesus, I believe you will be changed. I, will, I believe you will be transformed because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So just as I read the word to you now, I believe it is the same as if you were standing in his presence and he was speaking it to you. How many are ready to learn today? Amen. About the kingdom of God. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer. This is our sermon series scripture. For the whole uh, season here for fall, we're doing the Kingdom of God series. Today's message is Seek His Kingdom First. This is the passage where we get the idea for the sermon series. It's the famous Lord's Prayer, and I ask that you would read it with me on the count of three. So one, two, three. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said, come on and everybody said, amen, amen. Rocky, would you do me a favor, turn on that fan and point it towards me, because half the get hot when he get to preaching. Amen. I got to stay by these fans. How many of you have enjoyed the, um, what would we call this, the mild weather? Are you guys enjoying the mild weather? How many wish it was hotter and it was summer still? How many wish it was colder and we could just all wear a bunch of hoodies and, and sock hats and gloves? Okay. How many are happy the way it is right now? A few of us. How many have you can open the windows at night, not to have the air conditioning? I love that feeling. Thank you so much, Rocky. 
Did we turn it on? Awesome. Let's give it up for Rocky. He can make fans work. It's good. Oh, yeah, you want to do it like that? Okay. Look at you taking to that next level. Give that guy a raise. I want you to look at the Lord's Prayer and see what sticks out to you. Just take a few moments. You've read it before. You've recited it before. What sticks out to you? What do you see here? Now, my whole week was dedicated towards asking God, what is something I can see here that I haven't seen before? I want you to take a few moments and see what you have the Lord speak to you about because this prayer is powerful. It's a famous prayer. You've prayed it many times. What do you see in there? Let's not get used to it. Let's not take it for granted. Now, you know what caught my attention this week is when I looked at this word called heaven, our Father which art in heaven, and I began to want to understand what is heaven like? What is it like? You know, this is a place that obviously is important because I believe I'm going to go there when I die. Jesus said he came from there, and it's where the Father is now. So this place is important. How many think heaven's important? But as I began to think about heaven, I was reminded of my, uh, my time with a Hare Krishna, someone who follows the uh, Hindu god Krishna, and I was reminded of my conversation with him. He said, you Christians, you have such a boring Bible. I said, well, what do you mean my Bible is boring? He said, well, you know, it just says there's a heaven. It doesn't talk about really what goes on up there. And I said, yeah, well, it says there's angels up there. He said, no, no, no. He said, our books, our Vedas, our writings talk about stories and the epic adventures of what goes on in heaven. I said, what do you mean? And he told me this story about a pagan god named Ganesh. And Ganesh was once uh, in love with a goddess and he came over and he snuck in while the god was gone. And he had sex with the goddess and the god just came home and said, oh, what are you doing having sex with my wife? And, and he told me this story. And I'm like, that sounds like a soap opera. But oh, he said, it's so interesting. So he tells me the story and then it goes on. The, the god says he's so, he's so mad he cuts off the head of Ganesh and casts him out. And the wife feels so bad for the lover that that got in trouble because it was her fault too that she picks the first animal she can and says here's a head and puts the elephant head on top of Ganesh put up the picture of this uh, uh, false god idol of the Hindu religion Ganesh if you didn't know the story that's it in a nutshell I'm sure I messed up some of the details but in my conversation with my friend he was like see look at all the stories we have and I go bro that just sounds like a bunch of sinfulness that doesn't sound like what heaven would be like. So if you ever wondered why Ganesh had a monkey he uh, uh, elephant head, now you know the story. He was committing an adulterous affair, and now that's his punishment. But, hey, at least he has a head. Now, when you think about our the accusations or what people say against us, despite them comparing us to their religion, is that true? Well, I think there is some truth to it. If I asked you to tell me what's heaven's like, what, what is heaven like, what could you really write down? What would you really tell me? Well, you might say, well, the Father's there. Okay, well, the Father's there. That's good. What else? Uh, well, there's angels. Okay, well, what else? There's not really much more to go from there. Now, somebody might remember the statement of Jesus. He said there's many mansions. You might say, okay, well, there's mansions there. Others of you may say, well, there's streets of gold. Well, that's really what happens when God comes to earth to rule and reign here. Remember, there's a kingdom there in heaven. There's a kingdom here in our hearts, and there's a kingdom coming to earth. So the streets of gold and the river of life and the trees on each side of the river, that's the kingdom coming. So what's really about heaven? As a matter of fact, if you and I looked at our Bibles and tried to put heaven all together through the pictures of the Scripture and the things that we get, we would pretty much only have about a paragraph of information. The Father's there. Angels are there, departed souls are there, and there's a throne. That's about it. 
Now that's a mystery to us, isn't it? What's going on up there? Why is it so important? Turn with me to John chapter 14 and look at your neighbor and say, this is just the introduction. Before we talk about seeking first the kingdom of God, I just want you to think about heaven because it says that the kingdom of heaven should come to earth, right? That it should be on earth as it is in heaven. Carol, Brian, come on. You guys are treasure chest seekers of heaven. You want all the glories and nuggy nugs coming from the heavenly throne. But what's up there? What is up there? Well, just look at John chapter 14, verse 1. As a matter of fact, this is the only time Jesus gets really descriptive about heaven. Here it is. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the great description of heaven from Jesus? Here it is. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. This is where we get the idea of mansions, because in our modern-day language, when we think of a house with many rooms, what do we call that place? A mansions, many rooms. But it actually doesn't even say the word mansions. So this idea that I have a mansion up there really is not based exactly on truth. The idea that I'll be living in a mansion is probably about as close to it as we can be. But the idea comes right here. My father's house, a singular house, has many rooms, and that's where we're going to be. And Jesus says he's going to prepare a place. Okay, Jesus, what else? <laughs> what does my room look like? What color is it? Is there a picture of Batman on the wall? What is it? What do we do there, Jesus? What do we do for fun? Where do we find that? We can't. We, 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 we don't have any more information. We don't know what we do in the room, what color is the room. But all we know is the pictures that we get of just glimpses of what's going on in heaven. So we go to the book of Revelation. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is all the teachings of Jesus, and this is pretty much it when it comes to what it's going to be like in heaven. Now let's go to, book to the, Revel, uh, the book of Revelation. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Jesus comes and gives John, this same guy who's writing this book, a revelation, hence the name, of what it's going to be like in the end times. But it's really not a revelation of heaven. It's really just a revelation of what it's going to be like in the end times. So you go here to Revelation chapter 4, and it says, I, as after this I looked up, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you mu what must take place after this. You see, the first three chapters of Revelation is God correcting his churches, talking about what's wrong in the church, Church of Laodicea, Church of Philadelphia. These were the modern churches at that time, and Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I got to talk to you, got to talk to you. I wonder what he would say about Metro Praise if he had to talk to us, I wonder. But you can see that in the first three chapters. And then now Revelation chapter 4, he goes, hey, this is really what I'm, really, what, what I'm telling you. All, all this is about is what's going to happen. It's not really a description of heaven. It's really just a description of the end times. That's what Revelation is like. But here you see, just a little bit um, further down, he sees as he comes up there, verse 2, at once I was in the spirit. He's transdimensional traveling. He goes from the earthly realm to the heavenly realm. He is seeing the new dimension of heaven. And we'll talk about that if we have time. Transdimensional travel. It's pretty cool. It's the heavenly way to go. Okay. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne. Okay, that's cool. In heaven with someone sitting on it. Now we know who that is because we learned last week. Isaiah said he saw the Lord high and lifted up sitting on a throne. And then in John, John said, this is who? This is Jesus. Isaiah saw Jesus. So who sits on that throne? Jesus. Now you think I'm tricking you. I don't have time to go back into the notes. you got to go back and look for last week's notes, okay? Everybody say, I'll do it. 
If you have questions, go back and do it. At once, I was in a spear, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who was there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. That's so awesome. Surrounding the throne with 23 elders. Uh, 24 other thrones who were seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. Okay, this is pretty much it. This is it. There's, there's a throne. There's things happening in front of the throne. It doesn't talk about anything else in heaven. Like, there's a throne. That's it. Now watch what's happening right there. In the center around the throne, four living creatures. These guys got to be cute. They were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. So eyes in the front and in the back. That's kind of what we would be scared of, but it's, it's true. Now watch this. It gets a little weirder. The first living creature was like a lion. The second like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around them. Now I tried to find a picture of this in the first service, and artists have not done a good job, but you want to put one up? If you can get our best best one. Think of this. One has the face of a man. One has the face of an ox. One has the face of an eagle. One has the face of a lion. No, uh, ox, man, eagle. Uh, lion. Yeah, lion. And they have six wings and eyes are all over them. Now, this is kind of freaky, right? This is not like, this is not something you've ever seen before. But this is the description. Now, am I trying to get you guys not like the, not wanting to go to heaven? No. But this is pretty much it. This is it. Well, then the story goes on. Angels come down and bring curses. So let's review. What do we know about heaven? Father's there. Throne's there. There's many rooms for us to be there. There's some scary-looking creatures flying around there. And then there's the people who have departed, and they're there. And around that throne, there's 24 elders. Now let me ask you something. Is that good enough for you? Because that's a question we really have to ask to ourselves. Would you rather it be the descriptions of the Hindu gods? Or would you rather it be the description of our superhero movies like Thor? Anybody see Thor? He lives on another planet. They can do transdimensional traveling. They go wherever they want into our world, to their world. They have all these powers, but it's really just science, you know, to another level. But it seems like magic and all of this to us. You know, do we want a world that has drama up there and all of these other things? Or are we satisfied with the picture of heaven? Now, why did I go through all of this? Because I want to challenge you. What does heaven mean to you? As I was looking at this fresh, this last week, you know what stuck out to me? Our Father, which art in heaven. The greatest thing of heaven is not the angels, it's not the throne, and it's not all these other things I have no idea up there because I haven't been there. It's the Father. The greatest thing about heaven is that's where the Father is. You see, are you looking at heaven as the place where you can just go fishing all the time, you can dance all the time, be with your friends, or is heaven to you the place where the Father is? Because we shouldn't be making heaven an idolatrous thing that we worship and say, oh, yeah, God will be there, but by the way, all these other things will be there. No, the description we as Christians get is forget about all the other stuff. There will be a room there for you. There will be some angels up there, but the Father is there. That's who's there. That's who you want to be with is the Father. See, is it important for you to be with the Father? This is the best rendition of an eagle that has these different faces. I mean, the angel has these different faces, and, and, and that doesn't even do justice because it doesn't show it with eyes all over. So my question to you as we look at this fresh and anew is when you hear this first part, our Father which art in heaven, what is most important to you here, the Father or heaven? Because other religions want to bribe you with what's in heaven. You want to hear the Mormon description of heaven? 
The women may not like it, but the guys may get a little excited because it's very similar to the Muslim version of heaven. You know what their version is too? Muslims, if you're a good Muslim, 70 virgins, that's true. You get deducted by your works, bad works. So the most you can get is 70. But if you're a good average Muslim, you'll get about five wives in heaven. Now, not fun to be the wife, but that's the truth, okay? Well, the Mormons are very similar. The Mormons say you get your own planet, you get to become a god, and you get to have spirit wives and make spirit children and populate your own planet and be a god to that planet. Very similar to modern-day paganism, both of them. Islam, Mormonism, both based off paganism, which predates their religion. Christianity is not such. As a matter of fact, when you're reading the Old Testament, you are reading the Bible. Those first 39 books are being written in the height of paganism, in the height of the stories of light Ganesh, of their gods, of their epics, of all the things that are happening. And what are we getting? Go to Isaiah chapter 6, please. What are we getting for our story? Are we getting promises of virgins? Are we getting promises of all this drama and action and fun and surfing and listening to music, dude? Is that what we're getting when it comes to heaven? No. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. When we look at heaven in the Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter, but Isaiah 6 will show it to you here. What we see is the primary function of heaven. It's where God is. It's where God is. Now, I want you to think about this as we get ready to get into our message, but this is still the introduction because I want to let this settle into your heart. Heaven is where God is. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. Here's this man's picture of heaven. I saw the Lord, and we know this is Jesus because I've showed you in John chapter, um, what is this, this scripture where John sees, where John declares it was Isaiah? Let me give that to you so you can just write it down. You guys don't have to listen, look at last week's notes. Isaiah saw Jesus. How many like Google? Anybody like to do that every now and then? John, I was right. John 12, 41. That was what I was going to say. John 12, 41. I saw the Lord. Isaiah says, after King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. John 12, 41, the New Testament says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus. Look it up. Isaiah saw Jesus. So we know who the Lord is here. It's not a trick. Look it up. John 12, 41. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. Sounds like what we learned in Revelation, right? Isaiah is written hundreds of years before Revelation. It's an Old Testament. What we mean by Old Testament is before Jesus. Does everybody get that? New Testament is the new thing after Jesus has come. That's why it starts with the birth of Jesus. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. Sounds just like the same. Train of his robe filled the temple. Train of his robe is just a way of saying his glory, his power filled the temple. So we get an insight there's a temple where that throne is at. We don't get much more description of it than that. But that's the idea. Uh, above him were seraphim. Each had six wings. You remember hearing about the six-winged creatures in Revelation? But we learn about their faces in Revelation, and we learn that they're covered with eyes, don't we? But here it just says that they have six wings, two covered their face, two covered their feet, and the other two they fly with. And they call to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, why am I showing this to you? Because I want you to get the point. Old Testament, New Testament, what is the description of heaven? What is the most outstanding thing you see here? Is it, is it something made out of gold? Is it a mansion? Is it something that uh, you get to do? I'm, I'm in heaven and I'm doing this thing. No, what is the most outstanding thing that Isaiah sees? I saw the, I saw the Lord. Thank you. And you go back to the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in. So would heaven be heaven without the Father? What would heaven be without the Father? Hell, because where God is not, that's what hell is. Now track with me here. Go back to John 14, verse 1. I know we're going around a lot, but I want you to see this. John chapter 14, verse 1. Heaven is where the Father is now. 
Jesus came, died, buried, rose again. Where did he go back to? Heaven. Father and Son are where? Heaven. Everybody say heaven. Not sure about it yet? Who needs some help? I'll tell you the whole gospel story. Okay, Father is where? Jesus is where? Boom. Okay, you're, you're good. We're good? Father, Son are in? Heaven. Okay, now watch this. This is Jesus talking before he goes to the cross, before he ascends to heaven. Look at what he teaches us. Remember the, the room thing? We learned about that. It's right there. Now, this whole discussion happens because they're, like, confused. When he says, you know, he said right here at the end, he said, I'm going to my father's house. There's a lot of rooms up there. And he goes, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas is like, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how in the world can we know the way? So he was confused. Thomas didn't understand where heaven was and how to get there. Jesus breaks it down. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Does everybody get that? Everybody tracking with me. Now watch this here. Jesus continues on and he starts teaching them. Now the Holy Spirit is going to come. God is the Father, Son, and the... Okay, Father and Son are in where? Heaven. So while Jesus is on earth, he is teaching us, it's good that I go to the Father because then I will come back to you. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Somebody say, I'll be back. That's my best Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. There it is. I will come to you. Okay, how are you going to come to us, Jesus? Go a little bit further on. And he says this. Look at verse 25. He says, all this I have spoken to you while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So who's coming from the Father? Who? The Holy Spirit. Are you guys with me? You're tracking with me. Now, let's just keep going right here. Now, if you, if you go down, uh, back up here, rather, it says here, not leaving you as orphans, the one who loves me. Let me go here. Anyone, there we go. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them also, okay? Jesus replied. This is Jesus talking. He is the Son. Here is the Father. Father, Son. Are you guys with me? And we will come to them and make our home with them. The Father and Son make our, their home with us. Is everybody getting that? How do they do that? Because I will send to you who? The Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Say it with me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One more time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How many know the Father, Son, Holy Spirit handshake? Do you know the Holy Spirit's handshake? i got to teach it to this cool guy right here. Are you ready? I know. It's church. you got to do something with the pastor now. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now do it with your neighbor right now. Come on, grab their hand. Grab their hand. I want everybody to do it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Do it with your mom and see if she can do it. You ready? Come on. Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you want to do it too? Father. Son, Holy Spirit. Fa what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Teach it to your children. You learned the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now check this out. Going back to our scripture. No tricks up my sleeves. I'm just teaching you the Bible. Here it is. Our Father which art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in earth as it is in heaven. How does he do that? By the Holy Spirit. Now watch it. Watch the Revy come together. And it's going to be a heavy Revy. You ready for this? If we're thinking about heaven, 
more than the father, we miss the father coming to earth. Because we're thinking we want to leave here and go up there. And the father is saying, before you come to ma my mansion up there, I want to come to your heart here. I want to make my home in you here. Heaven is not as important to me as your heart. I don't need to have heaven and meet you up here. I want your heart to meet you here now. Christians are getting consumed with heaven and thinking all that they're going to do up there. But the Father is saying, I want to do stuff down here in your life. And we're going, how are you going to do that? He said, because I sent the Holy Spirit. Come on. The Holy Spirit is the representation of the Father and Son in us here. Think of it like this. The Holy Spirit is the invisible presence and evidence and indication of the Father and Son's kingdom in heaven. The Holy Spirit, invisible, is in us, is that representation. But the Christian is the visible representation of the kingdom of God. We represent the invisible Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. Nobody else can see it. Holy Spirit changes us nobody else can see it but as he moves in us the outward expression comes through us and we are now the living temple of God we are the place where the father and son dwell and where we are Jesus is and where Jesus is we are and we walk with power and authority and his blessing and so that is the kingdom coming not to a temple made of hands not to a tree the kingdom of God is coming to his people right now that's what we should be seeking Come on, that's what we're seeking. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, please. We are seeking God coming in our lives now as he fills heaven. Fill me now, Jesus. Fill my soul as you fill heaven. Because it's not the place of heaven that makes it important. It's that the Father is there. And what's so awesome is that the Father said, I want to come down here. God says, I want your heart. I want you. We are more important to God than a place called heaven. You are made in his image. Heaven is just a place where he dwells. But he came to live in our hearts. In the Garden of Eden, that was what we lost because of sin. Does everybody get that? That's what we lost, our connection. Our connection with God. Look at this now. Paul, he's an apostle. How many like Paul? How many think he's a good guy? We should listen to him. Look at what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many think that's a cool thing? Well, I got blessed in heavenly realms, but I can't get a blessing from a heavenly realm, can I? Can I go take it off the shelf? Where are my blessings in heavenly realms? But track with Paul's thinkings. It's, it's an amazing thing, and it is a very practical thing. Look at this, what he says right here. He says, when you believed... Ephesians chapter 1, ver, uh, verse 13, when you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the what? The promised Holy Spirit. Okay, go back up here. Go back up. See, the Father and the Son, see, Father, Son. Father, Son, blessed us in heavenly realms. But how do I know I'm blessed in heavenly realms? How does that become practical? By the promised what? Holy Spirit. How does the Father and Son, according to John, come and live in the believer? By the Holy Spirit. Now watch. He's a deposit who is a deposit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's per, per, uh, per, possession. P 
possession. Until the resumption of those who are God's possession. How many of you are God's possession? Amen. Now watch this. What's happening right now, though? Thank you for the Holy Spirit coming. But what's happening right now? Watch this. It says right here in, um, in, this, in chapter 2, rather. Look on down in chapter 2. Look at what it says. It says, because of his great mercy... You have been saved. Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. And where? The heavenly realms in Christ Jesus is raised, E-D, raised. Is that past tense? Is that, has that happened or is it going to happen? It means it happened. If you got paid, are you paid in the present or are you waiting to get paid? You got already paid. I got paid. So I got raised with Christ. So did you. And seated, past tense, already with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, how is that even possible? Track this with me. Father, Son, give you inexpressible gifts in heaven through the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. And how do you participate in them? By being seated in heavenly places. Now, you may ask yourself, how in the world is my holy backside seated at this chair right now? And at the same time, I am supposed to have already been seated with Christ in heavenly realms. You know why that can be? Is because you are a spirit and a soul. You are body, soul, and spirit. The body is here. But your spirit and soul is united with the Father by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, the Holy Spirit is with the Father and Son in heavenly realms. He is all present. And he can transfer to you what is ever in heaven to where you are right now. Now, that may sound a little far out. I'm in heaven, but I'm still right here. I don't understand, Pastor. How is that? Right? But doesn't it say it happened? So before I explain it to you, I just want to ask you, do you believe it? Like, do you even want an explanation? Because some people are like, that's so crazy, I don't even care about it. Well, then that just means you don't believe him because I don't know how else to interpret this. I mean, we could put up the Greek. Let's, let's, is anybody, my wife, you know, she speaks Greek. I don't know if anybody here reads Greek. The Bible was originally written in the, in the Greek language, and a lot of times people are like, I don't know, that's just your interpretation, man. Okay, well, let me put up the Greek here, and you tell me your interpretation later. I'll just put it up so you guys don't think I'm playing with you because we'll have it right here. How many want to see it in the Greek? And then you can look at your neighbor and say, it's all Greek to me. Okay, there it is. It's a little bit small, you know, but here are the words. Here's the Greek. Here it is right next to it, okay? You can see as I scroll down, it scrolls with me, okay? So here's the passage right here in verse 6. If I had time, I would raise up the font for you. Here is the passage, verse 6. Here it is. Everybody says, well, I don't know about your, your, your translation. Okay, here it is, verse 6. Everybody see what I highlighted there? Kai, I know that, K-A-I, Kai is the word and, okay? And then these big words must mean all these words, okay? <laughs> all I do, this is how I learn Greek. I go and touch this word here. See, Kai says and, see, and, and then I touch this word right here, and it says to raise up, and then Kai again, and then sit down, and then somewhere God is going to appear in here. Oh, here's Christ right here. I can remember that word, and Jesus. Okay, all this. You guys with me? Okay, now here's the question, saints. Here's the question, students. Let me just do this one more time here. Here's the question. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Unless it means what I think it means. There's the Greek. You tell me what else it means. That's it. That's all we have. We don't need a pope. 
Popes make up stuff. Are you listening to me? There is no such thing as indulgences. We don't have dark closets confessing sins. I love Catholics. A lot of my family was Catholic. I'm just telling you, this is it. When we're talking about religion, we're talking about spirituality. Everybody's got an opinion. I'm just telling you, this is what I go on. That's the original. This is the translation. I don't, I'm not here to just say authority this, authority said that. Tell me what Paul meant. Bam. Because if you don't agree with this and what I'm saying, I'm not challenging you right now. We don't have to debate. But I'm asking you to be honest with yourself. What does it mean? Religion won't save you. Just taking your pastor's word is not going to save you. Are you guys with me on that? You have to read and study for yourself. If Paul the apostle really met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he wrote this down, that's the final authority. We believe in the sole infallible authority of the Bible. Are you with me? Not in me, not in a man, not in a church. We believe in the Holy Scriptures are the sole infallible authority. That's my final authority. Are you guys with me on that? Amen. A lot of, a lot of tracking going on here. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in coming ages he might show them compare. Where does, it, where does it not mean that? So now, how many want the explanation of this? It's very simple. It goes back to the same understanding of the Father's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The understanding is, is that you're more than just a body. When I say transdimensional, that you can go from one dimension to another dimension. What I'm trying to say is this. I don't believe heaven is a place we can take a rocket ship to and land on and put an American flag. I believe heaven is another dimension. It is another kind of universe. It is not in this universe. This universe is matter, space, and time, and it's confined by the laws of nature. Heaven is outside of matter, space, and time. It created it. Are you watching this? Are you tracking with The computer did not create itself. It was created. Are you listening to me? The computer did not create itself. It's created. Is the creator of the computer in the computer? No, the com creator of the computer stands outside of the computer. Did the first computer create itself? No. Did you create yourself? Did the first universe create itself? No. The universe had a creator. So is the creator of the universe the same substance of the universe standing within the universe? No. He is outside of the universe of a different substance. We just call that a different dimension. It's my language of the sci-fi lingo. Are you with me? Call it whatever you want. But the bottom line is heaven is not like here. It's not matter, space, and time. Now the point is you were created with a soul that can transcend matter, space, and time and go to heaven when it dies. Do you believe you have a soul? See, if you don't believe you have a soul, then you're a materialist. You believe when your body dies, that's it. You're done. The worm food, your worm food, you, they come and eat you up. That's it. But how many believe there's a part of you that lives on? Well, what is the substance of that? What is the substance of the soul? The substance of the soul is spirit. Spirit is not matter, space, and time. Are you tracking with me? Now think of it like this. If heaven has a satellite and it's sending the presence of God here, I have to have something to receive it. Now my phone can connect to an earthly satellite, a satellite that's around the Earth's orbit. Is everybody with me? Now if I was a, in a spacesuit up in the Earth's atmosphere out there and I started waving my hands in front of the, the satellite, I would say, where's the information? Where, where is it? I can't see it. I can't see it. Where's the information? You would say, that information cannot be seen unless you have a receiver. Okay? God is not speaking unless you have the Holy Spirit in your spirit. 
He could speak to you, but not to you. To you, to not to you. It depends on whether or not you have the receiver of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? That's why Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How do I get born again? Go up into my mother's womb again and have another fleshly birth? No. Jesus said, spirit gives birth to spirit. So I am spiritually reborn. Are you with me? The connection to heaven is now connected. And now guess what? What heaven has to give me, I can receive. And therefore, according to that connection, I have the status, the place in heavenly realms that Jesus himself has given me. So the question is, as we go into the message, how many are getting ready for the message now? As we get into the message and we're seeking first the kingdom of heaven and we're seeking first the kingdom of God, are we seeking the trinkets of heaven? Are we seeking more created things in heaven? No, we're seeking the creator. And now while we're here on earth, does the kingdom of heaven get to come to us? Yes, by the Holy Spirit. And we're in tune with him and we're receiving his power. And not only is it coming from him, our prayers are going up to him and he is receiving our prayers and our cries for help. And that is the divine relationship, the connection that we have with the Father and Son because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Let's go to the message. How many want to seek first the kingdom of God? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 14, verse 25. Luke 14, 25. As you're turning there for review, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is defined as the kingly rule through Jesus. Can you keep that up, please? Go back to the definition. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is the same thing, is God's kingly rule through Jesus Christ over all creation and people. Now, please go to that scripture. I'm going to teach you. Here it is. Two profound things about seeking first the kingdom of God. No theatrics. I know I got you to think a little deeply there, but you know what? Here's no theatrics, no tricks up my sleeve. I'm going to read you these passages of Jesus, and you tell me if they radically change your life. Because to me, Jesus' words alone, I got it, my brother. Thank you. Jesus' words alone are to be taken serious. I am just the news reporter reporting the news, reading what Christ has already said. Look at this passage, verse 25 and onward. The first thing we need to know about seeking first the kingdom of God is that we have to love God with everything. Now watch this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not what? Does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now without having me to put up the Greek translation, can you look at that passage and tell me what you think it means? Don't shout it out to me, but just tell me what you think it means. To me, there is only a couple of options, and none of them make it easier. None of them make this passage easy. You mean Jesus told me to hate my mother, father? You know, some kid's going to go home and tell their mom, I hate you, mom. Jesus told me to hate you. And they're going to be like, what kind of church are you going to? Listen to me. That's not what it means. But when I tell you what it means, it's not going to make it any easier. But I can tell you that's not what it means. The Bible says, children, honor your, your parents. Obey them, right? So he's not going to contradict himself. Let's keep going to see if we get some further explanation from this. He gives two examples to help us understand the passage of hating our mother, father, brother, wife, children, sisters, even our own life. The first example is that of a tower. The second example is of a king going to war. Let's see if this sheds some light on it. 
Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? That's common sense, right? If you were going to build the next tower, you know, instead of the Trump Tower, it would be the Rostick Tower, you know, the Ramos Tower, you know. You don't just want to lay the foundation and not build on it. You want to finish it. Everybody get what he's talking about here, okay? Now watch what he says. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will what? Ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Everybody get the example? Did it help you? Be honest. Did it help you? Jesus said, hate your mother. If you don't hate him, you can't come into the kingdom. And then he says, think about building a tower. If you only do the foundation and don't finish it, people will ridicule you. Okay, now let's see the next example. Let's see if we get some insight. Or suppose the king is about ready to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider what he is going, uh, whether or not he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000 men? How many get the example? You're a king. You got 10,000 men. 20,000 men out there want to kill you. You're going to think about going to war right now, aren't you? How many think that's serious? That's a big deal. All the men right here, imagine, I'm your king. Just take this for example. I'm your king, and there's 20,000 people that want to kill us out there, and we only got 10,000. I better take a moment and think about what I'm doing. Otherwise, you're dying, I'm dying, my kids are dying, my family's dying. We're all dead. Jesus is not playing around here. It's a good example. I think sometimes we don't take it as serious as we should. So he's talking about a real serious example. 20,000 ISIS people out there, 10,000 Marines right here. That's not a problem. They're going to kick all their butts, amen. But we're talking uh, 100 Marines could kick all the ISIS butts, in my opinion. But anyways, this is of equal power, of equal power. Now you're in trouble. Watch. If he is not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, here's the application of the two examples. You heard the example of the tower. You heard the example of the king. Verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. If you were paying attention, you had the explanation from Jesus himself. Jesus taught us to hate our mother, brother, sister, children, our own life if it comes in the way of us serving God and putting him first. That's what he said. Now, it doesn't mean I go out and I hate people and I get angry and I curse at them, but it better be a true example for all of us here that I don't start Christianity without the intent of finishing it. Because if I think I can use my family on the day of judgment and say, oh, but my family distracted me from finishing my race, no, you'll get ridicule. Or if you think you can use your own sin, your own problems, your own life as an excuse not to fight the devil. Oh, but the devil was so much stronger than me because I was so weak in the flesh. You will lose that battle because you did not count the cost. What is Jesus teaching us here in these prior verses? Your pastor didn't put that in your Bible, did I? Did I wake up in the morning and sneak that black and white into your Bible, or rather the red? No, it's here. It's been there. If anyone comes to me, Jesus speaking to large crowds of people, and you can just almost get the idea like you're following Jesus. He's feeding the 5,000, man. You're getting the fish. You're getting the loaves, man. We're having a good time. And then it's like Jesus is talking. You're like, hey, man, come on. Jesus is going to talk. He's probably going to tell us to love our neighbor. Everybody listen. Everybody listen. He's a great teacher, man. I just brought my friend here to hear Jesus. Come on, Jesus, what are you going to tell us? Treat everybody nice. <clears throat> if you don't hate your mother, brother, wife, children, what? Say what, Jesus? Let's go back to the love your neighbor stuff. See, but Jesus had to be honest with them. I want to show you one more passage of Scripture, and I'll describe this to you. Amen? Turn with me quickly now to the other passage that's complementary to this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. 
How do we seek first the kingdom of God? We love God first. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, four gospels. Anybody like surround sound here? Anybody like surround sound? Four gospels, quadraphonic sound. You got the two fronts, you got the two backs. They work together to make one sound. They're not contradictory, but complementary. How many just learned something about why there's four gospels? Boom. Y'all learned something. You might say, why did I read it differently in this version than that version? If you listen to quadraphonic sound, you'll be like, you'll, like you listen to that, you watch that movie, and you'll hear like, like people stepping on the, the leaves here, and then all of a sudden, the gun over there. It's telling the same story, but the speakers are bringing out the different sounds. The Gospels aren't contradicting each other. They're just bringing out the different things that Jesus said. Are you with me? Oh, about two of you are with me. Can I hear? I'm with you, Pastor. Amen. Thank you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 sounds like the same, but let's see if he says it a little bit differently. Anyone who loves their father or a mother more than me is not worthy of me. Might that be what he meant by hate, to love less? I think that's the complimentary sound we're hearing here. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So it's not that I literally hate my father, mother, children, all this. It's that I hate anything taking your place. But I still can love my children. I just don't love them the same way I love you. I can love my family. I just don't love them the same way I love you. Isn't that what he's saying? Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up their cross is not and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will what? Lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will what? Find it. And I want you to think about how you put God first. Check this out. Imagine we're on a plane. And I'm going to make this real literal, okay? So I'm on a plane. Me, my wife, four kids. Hannah, uh, Bethany is six, Hannah is five, uh, Lucas is three, and uh, Zoe is one. You can tell my family we like to have fun, amen? We love making babies. We love the practice to make babies. No, y'all need all teenagers make babies until you get married, amen? Okay, so we got four children and my wife. Now watch this. Imagine the plane is going to crash. We're at 30,000 feet altitude. The plane is going to crash, and the pilot says, hey, I got you. I got you. I'm gonna, this is, I got something that's going to save every single one of you. And he gives us a device, something about this size, you know, just to use your imagination with technology. It's about this size. And he says, here's how it works. You're going to put it on your chest. It's going to have a meter that finds out your body weight ratio by your blood pressure and your body heat. You know, it's going to find out how much you weigh. And then it's going to produce a parachute <laughs> flying out that will be able to sustain all your weight. This little device, put it on you, finds out your weight, it will be able to sustain you. And he says, here's the good news. I've got six of them. Got one for little Zoe. I got one for Lucas. Got one for Hannah. Got one for Bethany. Got one for your wife. Got one for you. Pastor, first. <laughs> Go. Okay? Now, what's my first instinct going to be? No, 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 no. There ain't no way I'm jumping out of plane without my kids. There's, there's no way. I'm taking my kids with me at least I'm going to take Zoe with me. I'm going to take my one-year-old. Now watch the man in this example say back to me, no, 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 you're not understanding. This will only read the weight attached to what it's attached to. If it is attached to you, it will only read your weight. Anything over that weight, even an ounce, will cause the parachute to not work. You cannot bring your daughter with you, but you can give it to your daughter. And it will come up by itself and safely lower her. Some of y'all get where I'm going with this. See, this is what Jesus is teaching us. 
Some of us are saying to Jesus, Jesus, I, I want my family to go to heaven. So for my family to go to heaven, I'm going to do all that I need to do for them. And even if it's not really what you want me to do, I'm still going to do it. And even if you want me to tell them the truth, I'm really not going to tell them the truth because I don't want to offend them. God, I want to say my family, my way, without you. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I'll save your family, but I'll do it my way. And here's how they'll get saved. Every single one of them individually have to ask me to save them, and I will be a perfect Savior in their life. See, that's what it means to seek God first. And so now what do I do? I walk over to my daughter, Bethany, and I go, Bethany, I know you're scared. Daddy's scared. I know you don't want to jump out this plane, but we got to jump out this plane. Listen to me. I'm going to put this here. It's going to know your body weight. We're going to push you out, and it's going to open up, and you're going to be saved. So I go to my daughter, Bethany, through the example, and I go, Bethany, Daddy needed Jesus to save him, and Jesus has saved me, and Daddy has been saved, and now the same Jesus that saved me, Bethany, will save you, and here's how you're saved, Bethany. You confess your sins. You come to Jesus the same way I was saved, Bethany. You're going to get saved, and then Hannah, the same way that Daddy is saved, you're going to get saved, but listen, if I try to hold on to you, if I try to keep you, if I try to love you as I love God and make you my master and boss, none of us will make it here. None of us will all die. But if all of us put God first, we'll live. You see, the best fathers are the ones who teach their children, I can't save you. I can bring you food. I can teach you the ways of the Father. I can be an example of God, but I can't save you. Those are the best kinds of fathers because they show their children that God is their Savior. Jesus taught us this when he said that you can't serve two masters. I can't put my family above God and expect God to save me then. I want you to think about this in closing today. Is God able to save your family as he is able to save you? then are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to trust him? Now, there are some of you here that are not saved, and you're like, Pastor, I couldn't imagine my family going to hell. But listen to me. If you don't go to heaven first, if you don't make the decision to go to heaven first, what hope do you have of saving them? All of you will go to hell. So why not tell them, I have to go to heaven. I have to serve God, even if that goes against the traditions of our family, what we've been taught, the things that we've believed. I have to change. I have to start the example. Because isn't that the way we show them salvation? Is it happening in us? Isn't that what Jesus is teaching us? Because if I say, I'm not going unless my mom's going, then neither me or my mom have a parachute. See, I trust God. Now imagine this. You go to heaven. I want to talk to some of the mothers here, okay? I want to talk to the mothers. Imagine this. C.S. Lewis wrote The Great Divorce. C.S. Lewis was a great uh, author. He came from England. He was an Oxford professor. Him, he was friends with J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. C.S. Lewis wrote The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. A very educated man came to the to faith later on in his life, and he wanted to write a story about what it would be like for people. Now watch this. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow your mind, but watch this. For people who did not want 
want the kingdom of heaven to come on earth, but they wanted their beliefs of earth to change heaven, to come to the kingdom of heaven. Now watch this, watch this. You see, if you don't let the kingdom of heaven come and change you here, that means what you keep here, you want to have change heaven. So he wanted to see what would it be like for people here on earth that disobeyed God, but now wanted to have a negotiation with God and say, God, I didn't want you to make your home here in my heart. But I want to do things my way. Now that I'm dead and my soul is here in your presence, I want to change the way you do heaven. I want to change who you let into heaven. Are you getting it? Instead of heaven coming to earth, they wanted to bring earth to heaven. And so he used the example of a mother, which is you couldn't find anything more endearing than a mother. And, and, and this is how he made the example. It's, it's a fictional story, the great divorce, but it tells a simple example. What would the mother be like who put her daughter before God on earth what would she be like in heaven trying to change what it takes to get into heaven? Because remember, to get there, she would have to love God in a different way than she loves her daughter. She would have to put God above her daughter. So here's the conversation. The mother comes to heaven. She's greeted by her daughter. Her daughter says, Mom, this is all you got to do now. You just got to repent of putting me before God. Just repent before God right now of making me your first priority and say you want God to be your first priority and they'll let you in, right? So they'll let you in. All you have to do is say you're sorry for always putting me above God. And she gets sassy. She goes, oh, no, what do you mean? Why would God ask me to do that? God made me a mother. God made me to care for you. God knew that I couldn't go to church on Sundays all the time. I had to support you and all the extracurricular activities you were doing. God knew that you had a busy school life and a busy life that I had to always support. And because I was tired at times, I couldn't wake up and I couldn't pray and I couldn't go to church and serve because I was serving you. Doesn't God know that that's what I was made for? I was doing a good job. I was a good person. And now the daughter says, she says, she says, mother, no, 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 you're not understanding. God's not saying it's wrong to be a mother. What he is saying is you cannot use me as an excuse not to serve him. And mother, the times you were taking care of me, you were neglecting him where you should have put him first and took care of me in different ways. Mom, I didn't have to go to all of those ballet, ballet recitals. I didn't have to go to every soccer practice. I didn't have to be out of God's presence. See, because the daughter found Jesus at another time in life outside of her mother. And now the mother starts to get mad, and she goes, you've got to be kidding me. You mean God wants me to apologize for being a good mother? What kind of God would want me to be a bad mother? This is C.S. Lewis, great divorce. He says back in this story, the girl goes, no, 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 no. God wasn't saying neglect me, not take care of me. No, he taught in his word, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things would be added unto you. Mother, he was teaching you to let go and to let him take over your life. And then she gets mad. And now it comes out, the evil in her heart, the ways of the earth, the ways of fallen mankind come out viciously now. Well, if that's what God wants, he won't get it from me. 
And the great divorce tells the story that we think if we saw God, if we saw heaven, we would somehow be more quicker to repent of the things we put before him. And what the great divorce shows us is the exposing of our heart. If you reject putting God first now, you would do it even in heaven. Even the Jews who saw Jesus doing what he was doing, they did not want to give up their positions of notoriety. They didn't want to give up their family heritage to be in the kingdom of God. And Jesus was saying, you can't come in that way. If I'm rock climbing and I begin to realize that the rope is breaking, I can't hold on to six people. I have to anchor in to be saved and then teach my children to anchor to the rock. You can't be saved, my friends, trying to put things before God, no matter how noble they are. Now in closing, Rachel, would you come, please? I want to ask you a serious question because I know there's many of you here today that would say so easily, you'd be like, well, no, I get it. Of course, Pastor, we're going to go over part two tomorrow. Next week, uh, rather, it's going to be don't worry because you've got to learn to trust God in the kingdom. How many want to overcome worry and fear and anxiety and trust God? Because when you really understand what you're doing here, it takes a lot of trust, doesn't it? So watch this. We're seeking God first. And a lot of us, we would kind of be the opposite of those guys at the, you know, at the crowd. Instead of being like, oh, my goodness, Jesus, what you're saying is crazy. Some of us would be like, hey, man, get ready for this. Jesus is going to go crazy on them. I was with Jesus when he was in the temple, man. He was whipping everybody. Get ready for this. He's going to tell you to hate people. He's going to tell you just to throw it all away. And some of us Christians don't understand. that that doesn't mean we just come to church and pray all the time and just forget about everything. We bring our families with us in the kingdom by setting that example. We don't neglect them. We don't just say, well, now I'm a Christian. My children will pay their own bills. God will take care of them. No, God forbid. We don't know. now go around to the world and go step out here on diversity and go, hey, diversity, everybody in diversity, listen to me. Y'all going to hell. <laughs> You're going to hell. I'm going to heaven. No, we, we don't act like we're better than others because we have done this. We're like beggars who found bread going back to the homeless shelter going, hey, guys, I know, I know where the bread's at. I didn't make it. I didn't bake it, but I can sure eat it. Come on with me. We don't say to our family, well, God's most important. You're nothing. No. We begin to live our lives cross-eyed. Instead of like, you know, all cross-eyed like that, we see the cross in all that we do. I'm a father because God has saved me, and I wouldn't be one without him. And now with him, I teach my children what he's teaching me. I make money not to have power, prestige, and just more toys, like we learned in the offering lesson, I make money to be a blessing so I can use it in my family and with others' families. See, when I put the kingdom first, I understand everything else. If I don't have the kingdom first, I don't understand the purpose of sex. If I don't have the kingdom first, I don't understand the purpose of money. If I don't have the kingdom first, I don't understand the purpose of friendship. If I don't have the kingdom first, I don't understand how to use my talents. If I don't put the kingdom of God first, I don't even know why I'm here. But when I put the kingdom of God first, 
It all starts to make sense now. Because my Father is in heaven, and he wants his kingdom up there to come down here through me. He wants the kingdom ways of doing things to come from down, from up there to down here through me, to me and through me. My Father wants to do things in me and to me so they can go through me to others. And so as you think about this lesson, I don't want you to just get on a high horse and be like, yeah, I hate my family, I'm going to heaven. No, I want you to understand what is the purpose. Life has meaning. Your family has meaning. Your job has meaning. But you could throw it all away if you put it in its wrong place. It reminds me of these so many young adults I've had come up here, especially during the time of recession. It was really bad a few years ago. You know, people would come up, I've lost my job. I, I was at this company for years. I own my own company. Now I've lost it all. And tears coming down their eyes, you know, men, women. But, you know, I, I, mostly with the men because they wanted to really be those providers. I'm not saying women can't, but you know what I'm talking about, men. They, they could carry that load on their shoulder when they're really being responsible. They know that their family depends on them. And the tears would be coming down their eyes. And they would say, pray for me, Pastor. And I would see God give them a job, but then I would see them stop coming to church because they're so tired of working on that job, and it's almost like I could hear Jesus saying to them through these scriptures, I gave you something to bless you, but the thing I gave you has taken you from me. How have you let the creation take you from me, the creator? How often do we do that? How often do we say, God, 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 I'm so lonely. I just want a wife. I just want a husband. And then all of a sudden, the first guy that winks at us, ladies, come on, or the first woman that calls us back, fellas, we forget about God. We forget about his rules, his ways, his commands. And all we want is that creation. And God is sitting over here going, hey, you're messing it up. You're losing this. It's all going to be taken from you. You don't get to keep both. You don't get to have your way and my way. This is what he says so clearly. He says, whoever finds their life loses it. Whoever loses their life for my sake finds it. Well, this is my life. I got a job. I got a family. I've got a career. God says, wake up. You're going to lose it all because your soul will live on past those things. And mothers, fathers... You're not a mother and father forever. You're only here for a time. On life, yes, you're forever a mother. My mom reminds me of it all the time. But after this life, you're not a mother anymore. You're a son or you're a daughter, and that's it. Because that's all that the kingdom of God has. And, and you're not bankers, lawyers, doctors, pastors. You're kings and priests in the kingdom of God. And so how do we seek him first? By loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what that means is I can't love anything else that way. My children have my heart, but they're not my master. I only have one master. My wife is my queen, but I only have one king. I'm just teasing. She's my princess. I'm a prince. She's a princess, so we only have, together, only have one king. I hope that we get this today because these are the profound words of Jesus. If you think you found it here, you lose it all. But if you lose it, you find it. 
Can I just encourage you in closing, just a few more moments. I know it's getting long, but please be patient with me. I want to ask you, how are you doing with that? Is the kingdom of God first in your life? Or do you find yourself so busy, so consumed with your talents, with your abilities, the friends God gave you, the bills you're paying, and the house God gave you, that all of a sudden God's a forethought at 11 o'clock at night as you're hitting the hay. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Is that it? Is that all God is to you? Is a as a genie you, you, you just get good things from, but you never dedicate your life to. You know, my wife and I, we have a covenant. See, we're married. And yesterday, we were never more than 50 feet apart. But we had a staff meeting. And then we had somebody over to, uh, to hang out with us. Jer Bear was over. And then we had a couple over. And then we went out for ice cream. And then we did everything. And we were together, but we weren't intimate. We weren't hearing each other's hearts. It wasn't until the end of the day we got together and we made time to say, really, what's on your heart? I know you can cook. I know you can clean. I know I can mow the lawn. I know I can pastor. I know you can do schoolwork. But we're not about who we, what we do now. We're about who we are. You're my wife. I'm your husband. I want to hear your heartbeat. See, some of you just want to say, well, I'm in a relationship with God. See, I'm married. I asked him into my heart. But my question is to you, how close are you to him? How intimate are you with him? How much time are you spending with him? Is he just somebody you say, well, I got it. Now I'm good. He put a ring on and I'm good. And you're just out doing your own thing all the time. Or is God somebody you have to be with every day? You've got to seek him every day. You've got to spend time with him. See, that's what I call the prayer closet. There's a, a movie out called The War Room where a woman went by herself and prayed. I mean, it doesn't matter where you call, where you go, but you got to make time for God. You know, are you and God this close? This close? Are you and God like that? When he speaks, do you listen? When God says, hey, put the kids down and spend an hour with me. Nothing makes me happier when my wife says that, hey, I just put the kids down, but before we hang out, can I spend some time with Jesus? You know what she's saying? She's saying, I love you. She's saying, you're my husband. She's saying, I want to be with you. But she says to me, but I can't do any of that unless my God who created me makes me who I need to be. And I love sending her out to do that. Go ahead, baby, take your time. I'm not jealous of God with my wife. And believe it or not, people do get jealous. I have parents call me up. What are you doing with my kids? I don't see them like I used to. Well, what would you rather them do? Run the streets? You didn't see them before. But no, no, now they're at church. And they, and they shouldn't be at that church all the time. Yes, they shouldn't neglect you. But I'm trying to understand you, Mom. Are you telling me you're jealous that they're with God? They're with God. Well, they just come there for their friends. No, they're, for, they're here for God. Their friends are at school. They've left those people. Some of them teenagers come here with no friends. Are you listening? God forbid. We're not jealous of God. I'm not jealous of God being in my wife's life. I know that's what God is to her. Because you know what? God knew her before I ever knew her. God created her. God knows a thought before she thinks it. And God knows that I can't understand her. I don't understand my wife. You think I understand my wife? And be honest with yourself. You even think you understand people, really. You don't even understand yourself. We all need God. We're trying to fix each other. You can't fix somebody without God. 
I can't help my wife. My wife has to tell me how to help her, to love her. And God helps me to do that. That's the kingdom. And God help us to do that with our children. Because though there may be a time, and I remember this happening, i got to close here now, but I remember this happening when I was guest preaching in New Orleans. You know, a mother brought her son to me, and she said, Pastor, tell him he's not supposed to play football. Tell him he's not supposed to play football. And I said, I don't know. I played football growing up, and it was pretty fun. But she goes, no, 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 no. You see, because the football time interferes with the church time, and I need him to know that we're going to church. And I want to tell you, there was something inside of me right at that moment that wanted to just be like, hey, give the kid a break. You know, give the kid a break, right? And he just wants to play football. Mom, you can do both. But then something hit me in my heart the moment I thought that, because I, I played football, and I just began to think, what has football done for me? I mean, sure, I can still tackle Ricky and make him look bad, and I can juke him, and sure, I'm really like a cool guy, you know. I mean, I get it. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. But what did it do for me? And if their church, this mother decided, it wasn't even my preaching, man, it was just this mother, and they decide, who am I to say, no, 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 don't, don't do that. I mean, because who knows? He might meet a kid at the football team that teaches them drugs. The first person that ever taught me about pornography was at the football team. Hello? Is it worth our soul? We get so concerned. We're, we're so like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do uh, Do we understand the price we're paying? And it just hit me in my heart. And I looked at that young man, and I said, young man, you have a mother who loves you. And I said, I'm not here to decide what you do on your free time. But if that's what she wants me to pray, I'm going to pray that God will speak to you. And if your church needs to change their time, then whatever. That will happen later. But I'm telling you, that young man loves God, and he's growing up strong because he's making a sacrifice. Now, you may say, well, some kids might get bitter towards God. I get all of that. But I would rather my kids understand there's priorities in life. And it's not a bunch of guys in tights either trying to hit a ball with a bat or take some rubber ball and run up and down a grass field with it or kick it with their foot. There are priorities in life that are bigger than that. And I think this church, starting with my family, we need to get back to that point where we go, God first. God first. You know why they all started working us on Sundays? Because everybody started shopping on Sundays. And now they needed us to work on Sundays. And now we're caught in this cycle. And somebody needs to stand up and go, hey, God first. God first. God first. Let's put God back where he belongs. Amen. First in our life. Would you stand up with me? I went too long, but would you stand up? We're going to close out with a worship song. It's called I Surrender All. How many think you got some things to surrender to Jesus today? How many want me to preach for 15 more minutes about stuff you need to surrender? Okay, how many now know? Right now, you know there are things you need to surrender. Be honest. Band, worship, uh, altar workers, come. I want to see some hands. I want, to, I want to now see this. Everybody look up at me, please. Let's say it slow. How many of you have some things in your life you want to surrender to God so he can be number one? Okay, one, two, three. I want to see some hands. I want people who are serious, amen. For those of you who are raising your hands, will you just meet me here up at the front? Altar workers, do a devout face. We're going to face the front as well. Because before you pray for anybody, let's set the example of what we pray for, right? Amen. I want to give up anything that keeps me from God. We're going to dismiss formally in just a moment, but can we sing this out together? All to 
of you mean that today it's not that I don't want my family it's not that I don't love them I just got to give them to Jesus I got to give it to him he has to be their Lord and Savior let's sing the next verse humbly at his feet I bow sing this out to Jesus all to Jesus I surrender Come on, humbly at his feet I bow. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Yes, God, forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. I surrender I surrender all, and all to Thee, my blessed Savior. Could we sing the first verse before we go one more time? All to Jesus, and all to Jesus, I surrender. Come on, think it, think about it. I freely give. He doesn't have to force it out of my hands. I freely give it. Will ever love and trust him in his presence. Come on, one more time. Would you sing it out? I surrender all. Do you know that when we raise our hands, it's a sign of surrender? Would you do that now if you can? Raise your hands and say, I surrender all, Jesus, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. Before we leave out, would you look up at me, please? It's so awesome to see these altars full. What if I told you before we went on a plane trip that I saw a vision, God spoke to me, and that he promised we're going to arrive at the other place. What if I said that to you? Probably believe me, I'm a pastor. There's no reason to lie. And if I said it, saw a vision, we're going, to, we're going to make it. But now on that plane ride, the turbulence begins to start. And at first you're like, hey, it's just turbulence. And all of a sudden, let's say a piece of the wing just <laughs> flies off. And then the captain gets on the, the speaker. We have just lost part of our wing. Uh, just uh, stay calm. Stay calm. We're figuring it out up here. Uh, we're going to try to make our best landing. Okay, just imagine. Okay. And then all of a sudden, we're still flying. The w- part of the wing has gone off. And now, and now the, the propeller stops. You know, we're in these older planes. And the smoke starts coming out. 
And then, you know, the smoke's coming out. I don't know how to do the sound of smoke, but you're with me. And they get on the speaker. We just have one propeller. You're going you're gonna to have to trust me, right? But if you knew me and you knew what I said was true, you would say, hey, man, he heard from God. I'm not, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. Now imagine this. I wanted to put it in our modern-day language. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So I'll get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. See? It's like the Lake Michigan. And all of a sudden, the waves come. The turbulence come. And you can get something to drink, good sir. <laughs> you are okay. Poor guy. The turbulence comes, which for them is the waves. And they're okay because they're fishermen. But then now all of a sudden the water starts coming in the boat and the wind is getting bigger, uh, louder and, and more intense and the rain is coming down. And now as fishermen, they understand we're in a bad situation. It's like us, the plane, the wing, you know, you guys get it, right? And all of a sudden they go to Jesus. Jesus, wake up. And you could just see Jesus getting, you know, the sand out of his eye. What's going on, man? We're going to die. Jesus, we're going to die. Right? Come on. And then Jesus gets up and he goes, peace be still. Storms calm. Wind goes away. Rain stops. Sun comes out. And then he looks at you. Imagine you're there on the boat. And he looks at you and he goes, Ye of little faith. Would you receive that okay or would you get a little offended? Let's just be honest. Most of you would get a little offended. Jesus, little faith, come on. Jesus, I had faith through the, 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 uh, you know, the waves. I had faith through the water. Jesus, when I lost faith is when the wing came up. Jesus, when I lost faith is when the part of the boat came up. Jesus, you can't expect me to have that kind of faith. Let's be honest. Wouldn't we all say that? We, we would feel that, wouldn't we? But what was Jesus teaching us? Just like the illustration with the plane, same thing in the boat. Jesus is teaching us, in my kingdom, I do what I say. Period. Period. When I say it, I do it. He says, I'm not a man that I should lie. When he told you that story of heaven, he said, if it was not so, I would not have told you that. Now, my friends, can I tell you about the end of the story? You're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You cannot be separated from his love. Neither death, nor angels, nor demons, nor powers of this world can separate you from him. Now the choice is up to you. Will you trust him in the storms of your life while you're seeking him, while you're doing the right thing, and people around you are quitting, while people around you are freaking out? Are you willing to stay on the boat with Jesus? Because I'm telling you, if you try to jump off, if you try to do it on your own, there's no hope out there. So this is the only way through this storm. This is the only way through the valley of the shadow of the death. It's to hold on to Jesus. It's to say, Lord, you said it. I believe it, and that settles it. I'm following you. You promised you would never leave me nor forsake me. You said, God, that you would answer me in my time of trouble, that you would be my shepherd, and I would lack nothing. I trust you. I seek you and your kingdom because you said all that I need would be added unto me. 
And when he taught us about faith, he didn't point to some mystic up in some mountain in the Himalayas. Oh, look at the Dalai Lama. Have faith like him that you can walk on rice paper and hot coals. No. He points to a child like Lucas. Mm, come on. He points to a child like my son. Who when I say to my son, let's get in the car and go somewhere, he trusts we get there. That when I say to my son, we're going to eat something, we're going to eat something. And when I go home, because i got to mow the grass, it's been raining nonstop, i got to mow on Sunday, Lord forgive me. And I say to my son, you stand behind me, I'll never hit him with that lawnmower, we're going to have a good time. He comes and he points to a child and he says, this is the faith you need to have. Stop trying to act like you can understand it all. I'm God and you're not. I'm your father and you're a child. This is how you trust me. I want to encourage us here today to trust God like my children trust me. They don't have to work for food. They don't have to sew their clothes together. And they're never naked. They're never hungry. They're never cold. And God is saying, Steve, do you trust me like that? That's what he's saying, Rocky. Do you trust me like that? Before we leave out of here, altar workers, just turn and face the people, please. If you need help in trusting God, would you come see them? We're going to close out singing this song. I'm going to pray. And if you just need someone to lay their hand on your shoulder and pray for you today, I want to tell you you're not alone. You're going to make it. And that God says he's your father. The kingdom has come to you today. Father, believe. Uh, Lord, help us to believe even when it hurts. Help us to believe even when it's hard. Help us to trust you like a child. I pray that everyone out of here will walk out knowing that they're in your kingdom, that you love them, and that you've come to bless them and provide for them. It's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen and amen. Will you bless the Lord? Come on. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say I surrender all. Tell somebody, please sing that song, and if you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, you are dismissed. God bless you as you go today. If you need prayer, we're not going anywhere. Come on up. God bless you as you go. If you need prayer, come on up. Or if you just want to worship with us, hang out in the after party. Otherwise, we love you. Have a great week. third verse please I'm holy yours you want to put it up for us thank you to Jesus you got to go to the next one there you go thank you Lord I give myself to thee fill 
sing that again all, all to Jesus this is such a great verse for those hanging out Can we sing the last verse? Glory, glory, hallelujah, is in it. All to Jesus. All to Jesus. It's the one after this. Just one more time for those who may not be able to know the words. All to Jesus I surrender now. I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory to his name. that part one more time all to thee Rachel's going to sing another song about oh how he loves us. Would you get the words ready please in the back just for those who are hanging out. We call this